Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Herb Podcast, a place of information and inspiration for the home herbalist. I'm Bridget Doherty of the Solidago School of Herbalism, coming to you from a bridged island on the coast of Maine. In today's show, I'm talking with Julia Lindstead about herbalism and her current projects. Before we get started, I want you to know what I share is based on my own experience and what I've learned from my mentors. Ultimately, I want you to be empowered in seeking and achieving your own version of optimum health. I want you to be inspired to connect and relate to the common plants that grow all around you. Together, let's make home herbalism be as common in the everyday household as cooking a healthy meal. Now, without further ado, let's have some fun and dig in. Hello, listeners. I am excited to share my first interview on the pod with you today. It's with Julia Lindstead, and we really get into, you know, living in the moment and working with plants and connecting with the natural world. And it's a really great conversation. So I hope that you enjoy it. I will say that for the first 15 minutes, uh, the sound is not perfect. It's, it's fine, but it's a little garbled at times. And so if you're sensitive to it, uh, feel free to just fast forward through the first 15 minutes. But if it doesn't bother you too much, please go ahead and listen because we, we really had some great conversation in that time. All right, and otherwise, sit back, relax, grab a cup of tea, or carry on with whatever project you're working on, and enjoy this interview. Today, I am joined with Julia Lindstead, who is the creative behind A Farm to Keep, where she shares recipes, projects, and inspiration for her readers to lead a slow, creative, and content life. She resides on a small farm in the hills of Northern California with her husband and two kids. You can learn more about her at A Farm to Keep and by sticking with us. And we're going to have a wonderful conversation today. Hi, Julia. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Bridget. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. Well, I'd like you, maybe we could start out and you could tell us a little bit about yourself and how your interest in herbalism and working with plants began. I would be so happy to. Uh, Lizzie, well, I I am Julia and I am the voice behind A Farm to Keep. And I love to share different ways for people to creatively 
nourish and grow and um, and cook uh, with herbs and plants, and then also helping everyone to kind of slow down and reconnect with themselves and with nature. I have been also a longtime art educator, and so I also feel like I approach my herbalism a lot of the same ways that I would approach teaching anybody art, because I feel like as I've explored it myself, it's a, a very similar process. And my path, though, to herbalism is I was thinking about and going, oh, I realized that I have a core childhood memory of herbs. And it actually is when my father was trying to uh, re-landscape our front yard because we had a lot of deer in our yard that were coming and eating all of the different landscaping they're putting in. And he decided, you know, out of just because he knew that herbs wouldn't be eaten by the deer, he actually created an herb garden. And that was my first exposure to having a lot of different herbs available. And he created a beautiful path that you could walk on. And I just remember going and being on that path, especially right before school and picking the little plants and smelling them. And I just can still remember that feeling of being surrounded by the herbs and also the smell of them. And it's just a very core memory for, for me as a, as a person. And then, but I, my real herbal journey didn't really start, I would say, I mean, where I actually start to really embrace the idea of studying herbs and plants and the power of plants uh, was in 2018. And that was when my husband and daughter were diagnosed with celiac. And so they, you know, celiac is, is a immune response to gluten or rye or barley. I think a lot of people get confused and think of it as an allergy, but they don't have an anaphylactic reaction. They just, their body responds with a lot of inflammation and other symptoms in the GI tract. And once we figured out what it was, it was kind of this no man's land of, well, just don't eat gluten and you'll be fine. And especially for my spouse, it was like he was having a lot of malnutrition issues at that point. And so it was figuring out how to create more nutritionally dense meals. And if you go down that rabbit hole of all those different ways of eating, it actually, a lot of those different methods of nutritional eating leads you to plants and to herbs. And that is where I started realizing that they were just, it was a lot of infusions that people were putting into stews and to food. And it was the first time that I realized that I could make a tea and it could help. And so I created a, in our house, we lovingly call it gut tea. And it is something that we still use when anybody's having issues. And it's just this cold infusion tea of marshmallow root and licorice root, and then a little bit of willow bark and a few other items. And it's just, it was such a game changer for how everyone felt and how it allowed the healing to happen so gently other ways that they had tried were just they were just harsher and it was difficult for their bodies to really you know uh heal in the process whereas the plants and that path has really allowed this very nourishing healing and gentle way of being and so ever since then i have been kind of obsessed with <laughs> figuring out what herbs to use for different purposes and what, uh, how I can incorporate more of it into our life and, and 
just continuing to have that be part of a, a pillar of, of really of how we, we live our life is with a lot of plant help and support. And it's something that I've also found draws us a lot to nature, which I've always loved. And um, I'm just so happy that we can use herbs in that way. But that is how I, how I think I got really drawn to it and got started with it. And then, of course, once you do that, then you realize, well, I can make my own beauty products. I can make my own laundry detergent. It's just endless. And uh, the, the artist in me just loves that. It's just so fun. And the process of it is so delightful. And I just, I just can't get enough of it. And being able to gift things to people too, where you're like, I've made this and it's something you get to not only use, but then feel inside your body and have that experience is just unlike anything else. It's like feeding somebody a really good meal, right? But it's, it's, uh, it's got the benefits of all of these beautiful properties of these plants. So that is, that is my, my herb background, I would say. Nice. That is lovely. I can totally relate to the scent and the smell of herbs as being what like really first called me into the into herbs. I remember, you know, having a garden with my mom and and she would let me have my own little garden and I, we'd go to the plant nursery and the only plants I wanted were ones that that were had were green, but they smelled amazing. And I was yeah. and ever since then I just yeah, I was very drawn in. So I can totally relate to that. And I love that, you know, once we first find, uh, you know, the first time that we're, we're like, oh, wow, like this herb, these herbs are like really doing some major healing and help. Then it's like the he- the gateways open and it's just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> there's no turning back. It is really startling. I, I don't know. I, maybe it's not. Maybe it's just my reaction to it was, you know, I thought, well, we, we've tried all these things. Why don't we try this? And to have that work. And I know that that's not the case for everyone, but to have, to know that that's something that I concocted from our kitchen and to now for us, we always look at it as our first line of, of defense in a lot of ways against all kinds of, you know, things, colds and things like that. It just feels very empowering as a person. It's just like when you learn to cook and you go, oh, boiling water is not very hard. You know, I can, if I can boil water, I can boil an egg. I can make tea, I, I can make broth. And these things are nourishing and they they really are the fertilizer of life and they help you grow. And it's just, it's just been something very, I, I keep using that word empowering, but it is, it's something where you go, oh, I, I'm capable of, of doing these things. And I, it's great to be able to go and get expert help and things when you get stuck or you need something different. But knowing that those things are just living there in your cabinet, like little friends, it's just, it's very, very comforting to know that that's there. And um, I feel like that's been a nice transition where I, you know, so I used to look at my, oh, I have all my paintbrushes and my art supplies. And I go, and now I have also, you know, in, in, in extension of that, I also have all of my dried rosemary and all of these flowers I've dried and gathered. It's a very natural extension uh, to that way of, of being in the world. Yeah. There's a lot of artistry that can be incorporated in herbalism, whether it's growing the plants or harvesting, making the remedies, incorporating them into meal planning and food for sure. So what are um, some of your favorite ways to tap into your creativity to develop new herbal recipes? Well, I really, 
I have a couple different methods I like to use. One, I, I always turn to the seasons. I feel like that's a very simple way anyone can look uh, for inspiration. It's something that, you know, we humans have been encountering over and over again. And so the seasons, I feel like, are such a, a, a safe container to look to for inspiration and guidance as to what's available and what also is uh, going to be coming in or not. And uh, just those, also those visceral memories of the flavors of certain times can also lead you to going, oh, this is a time where maybe I need to add more black pepper to things so that it really helps kind of circulate everything through. Or I feel more lemon juice feels like it's the right choice for these different options here. But uh, seasons is a wonderful way to to draw inspiration. I also like using a, a method I used to use a lot with my my students, which was restricting materials. And so uh, uh, oftentimes you you know you'll give somebody just a paintbrush and a palette of paint and paper and go, okay, but you're only going to use green. Like we're not going to use the whole, you know, but I feel like you can do the same thing in herbalism where you go, I am just going to use rosemary, but that will be my main plant that I'm going to explore. And that doesn't mean you can't incorporate other ingredients, but that's the one you're going to highlight. And I feel like that can really ignite your creativity in terms of getting to know the plant, getting to kind of push it to its different boundaries and limits and understanding what is the best way to apply it and, and new ways too, that maybe you didn't know it could shine in these different methods. Uh, perhaps you only ever used it in cooking and then you find out it's a, it's a beautiful addition to a tea or, or a salve of some sort. Um, so I really like that. And then I think my last tip, I would, so I would say that I use a lot if I'm really stuck as I, I use observation and listening. And so I, it's, again, it's another way of, it's another artist technique where you go and you really, but I know herbalists, we, you do that. We do this too, where it's like when you, especially when you're learning, you go and you find one plant and you sit with it and you listen to it and you look at it and you really take in how its stem comes together, how its leaves form, how the, you know, how it all matches and what does it grow next to. And when you start paying attention to those pieces, it can be, you get to have a relationship there. And that is also very inspiring because then you start to, feel like you know what maybe this plant wants to be used for or what it it can support you in and I, there's just this element to it that can as you're looking at its actual physical structure even though you know there's all these other elements but just taking in that space of being quiet and looking at it uh, I feel like that can be very stirring to a person's soul and and interests and so that you can actually hear what it might come from from that you know a lot of people do that with, uh, as they paint uh, landscapes or or still lifes it's the same idea uh, but really focusing in on a plant I feel like can be inspiring enlightening to <laughs> to a lot of people especially if they're new to herbalism yeah, my mom is an artist, actually, and she does um, plein air landscape oil paintings. And she always says that she paints light, you know, instead of actually painting the, the mountain, the hills, the ocean, she just paints light. And that reminds me of what you're saying in that when we relate to the plants and we work with the plants, we are relating to their whole being or like the the spirit or the essence of the plant as well, not only just the physical. If you could go back in time, 
What three things would you like to tell your younger self that would have made your journey to the plant path smoother? What's what's some advice that you would give your junior herbalist self or maybe your even pre-herbalist self? I have, so I was thinking about this and I thought, you know, I, I think one thing that I would tell myself would be to not only keep a journal, but to really keep them, to really write down all of those things and to not discard them at any point, but to to contain all of those different thoughts and feelings and emotions uh, in those pages. Because when I go back and read the ones I do have, they are always, there's always a clarity there that I didn't realize in the time. And it's always something that will then spark a direction or it'll just lend itself to going, oh, you, this, of course, this is what you're doing now because this is exactly what you were toiling with or uh, working through at the time. And so I think it's a, it can be a really good reminder if when you have things like that, you keep a journal and uh, it, it, whether that's also just a plant journal where you're writing down what you find and see and what you're experiencing with those different elements, it can be very helpful to see your growth as a, as a person in that way too, just like, just like a plant, but <laughs> you know, that can be really useful. Um, and then my other thought was to, to always say, move your body because I know that seems like a funny thing to tell an herbalist, but the, you want to be able to be able to garden and do all these things and crouch down and pick these things for a long period of time. And you don't need to do anything all that intense. It's just moving your body 20 to 30 minutes a day is, is really helpful to, especially who I am and being able to, uh, to go in that path gently and not feel like, anything needs to be pressurized. And I feel like that that's kind of the messaging. If, if, you, if I told my younger self that, it would it would apply to a lot of different aspects of, of my life. Um, and then also it would be to whatever those childhood and teenagehood interests were that I had, and it was that those are actually going to be the most pivotal elements that will provide contentment later in life. That they are really the ones that to pay attention to, especially when you get older and you feel lost or, you know, things sway and things shift that that those things that brought you a lot of joy will do the same actually when you're older, too. And and I know that when I because the I really have always have liked being in nature and I've always liked working with plants and being with them, it's like I probably would have started that path a lot sooner uh, if I had reminded myself, like, these are things that you really like, but it's never too late. You can always go back and tap into these things at some point. It's it's just that those can be really great guiding points on your compass, I think. Oh, hindsight. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> But, you know, knowing those things, too, it's like, you also just got to forge ahead. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me a bit about a farm to keep specifically. Like, how did it start? What exactly is it? Um, yeah. What's your inspiration behind that? <laughs> 
Absolutely. Well, A Farm to Keep started uh, really because I wanted to keep a journal, an online journal of what I was doing on, on this property that my husband and I, we dreamed about about buying a little homestead a long, for a long time. And probably that was one of the first conversations he and I had when we first met. And it was interesting to hold that little seed of an idea and really work towards it together. And so once we did it, um, I was like, oh, I'll keep track of what we're doing here. And I was intending to write about, I mean, we have chickens, I have goats, we have all kinds of things that we do. We raise a lot of food. And I don't tend to actually write a lot about that um, because I found that I became more enamored with the concept and the values behind what brings you to that type of living. And as I started exploring it and sharing it with others, I realized it's something that anyone can achieve. It's just, it's the, it's a, it's a lifestyle and it's a choice of how you want to approach your daily life and what you find is important to you. And it for me it just happens to be in a homestead fashion i find that to be fulfilling i for lack of a better word i really enjoy going out there and doing manual labor in the morning and then uh you know and reaping the benefits of like oh i grew all this squash and now what do we do with it but <laughs> <laughs> but it became more about the i think what i recognized was i became happier and then others from our past parts of our life were going what are you all doing? It's, it's, you know, think you seem calmer, just more content. Uh, what is, what is going on here? And so as I started digging into it, I realized there is a whole aspect of slow living that exists and what that means. And, uh, I think it varies for people, but, uh, for, for me, it's been a way of, kind of really figuring out what your values are in life and and then intentionally choosing them every day and realizing they are a choice and you can and I, a lot of them I was we were choosing even when I didn't live in the actual like land it was just how we decided to approach every day and um but I do feel that that is what what I'm here doing. And so now I do a lot of different workshops and I use a lot of the products we grow here to blend different teas and things for different people for different events. And that's really a lot of fun and has a lot of meaning for me and those that I get to work with. So a farm to keep is you have a farm, a family farm, yes. a homestead. <laughs> yes. and and you have a blog, a website that's a blog that you share your experiences. There's some great recipes. I was checking it out. There's some great yeah. recipes and pro DIY projects and um, yeah, hands on how to really and connect. And you do talk a lot and um, inspire a lot about slow living and how slowing down is essential for people. And why, why do you think it's so essential for people to learn? that. I know you touched on that a little bit, but maybe. Yeah, I can go into that a little more. I, uh, slow living. I mean, it's, it's kind of this, a sister to that slow food movement, this idea of really knowing where your food comes from and, and really, uh, enjoying it and being in being with it in a way. And slow living is like that with life. It's, it's this idea of lingering and I love, I just love that word to, to linger a little longer is just 
something I feel like we all could do. And it's, you know, you start realizing when none of this gets to go with you. And so you get to take these memories with you as you travel through this path of life. And as you do so, those you will you always know when there are these these things that happen where you go, this is actually really important or this feels very aligned for me. And this is something that I want to remember. And knowing how to keep that memory in your body is is a is a skill. And it actually is something that uh my my dad <laughs> I don't remember why he decided to, he just, he, but it's his concept and he calls it painting a memory. And when I was a teen, I was sitting out on our deck and it was just this beautiful sunset. And I thought, oh, this is just amazing. I don't really know if I was really seeing it, but he came over and he said, you know, you can keep the sunset for the rest of your life. If you just look at it and like l- identify what's the, what's the colors at the top. Okay. Think about those, name those colors. What are the colors in the center? What colors are at the base? And what else do you see around it? And so you kind of create a scene and then you close your eyes and it's you repaint it in your mind's eye. And then you kind of open your eyes again, make adjustments, make a little adjustments and then hold it there. And you just breathe in and out about three times. This this I've added over time. But in I but to this day, I can still recall those that exact sunset. I can, you know, if someone says, think of a sunset, it's the first thing I think of. And I go, that is from many, many years ago. And I can still recall it. And to me, that is slow living. It's just, it doesn't, it's not necessarily everything is slow. It's not necessarily that you're not busy. It's just taking these little moments and holding on to them for just a breath longer so that you get to take them with you. And as you do that, these things become part of who you are and what you get to give back to to the world at large. And so a farm to keep for me is reminding people that there are these beautiful moments in life. The process of life is where all of it that you want to have happen is happening. And so when you recognize that, it's it's an incredible blessing i you know it's just it's an incredible thing to realize that i'm here washing this vegetable that wherever you got it from like hooray i have this beautiful item that i get to i'm going to be able to cook and it just brings up a lot of gratitude and uh this well contentment and i think that's what a lot of people are looking for is how to find they always are looking for happiness and i'm always going look for contentment and enjoy the process. The process is where you're going to find it. And so when I create DIYs or recipes, I always, it's like, here's the end product. But really what I want you to pay attention to is how are you making it? What are you doing as you're making it? What, is, what are you feeling? How does this smell to you? Because that's where you're going to create all of these threads of memories and meaning in your life. And then Suddenly, if you're creating a soup, well, that soup then has more to it than I had to feed you because <laughs> you're hungry, <laughs> you know, or it's like, well, I, you know, why would I make a sugar scrub? I can just buy this. It's like, well, the process, though, there's this element of putting it together. And so that's what a farm to keep has become uh, for for me in terms of of a mission is helping people to kind of reconnect and plants and nature and those ways are are my modalities. So, yeah, mm, that's that lovely. <laughs> yeah, that's very 
Man, I love that uh, painting of painting your moment to create a memory. That's really beautiful. It makes me, and then you'll like have that forever. And I feel like so often some of those memories that we always hold on to are more difficult ones or times yeah, when we yeah. wish that we had done something different or, you know, like, and they'll pop up at the worst times or the most random Absolutely. times. It's like, oh, this is such a great time for me to shame myself of, over like something that I said 10 years ago, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. Those are the worst. And then that's when you go, wait a minute, I have, all, I have this catalog of beautiful things that I've done too. And I think that just yeah. shows your humanity, you know, we're, we're a mix of it all. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And to be able to pull onto those as well. And, you know, it reminds me a lot of what you're saying of just, um, you know, meditation, movement meditation or meditation, just being in the moment and really savoring the very details of that moment. And that's a great way to release ourselves from anxiety and stress of a moment too, is to just focus in on the present and, and all feel it, smell it, you know, be it yes. in its wholeness. And that's, that is beautiful. I mean, and that's so why I love tea and things, you know, cause you, it does that for you, right. You can put it together and it's like, you have all of that happening. Absolutely. Yeah. And along those lines. So how has the slow living helped you on your herbal path? It's allowed me to be okay with the things that I don't know yet. Because there's so much. Uh, you start once you start opening those books, and you go, "Oh my goodness, this world is so vast, and I'm just beginning." It can be overwhelming, and then you, you know, the, all that that self doubt can come in, and going, "I'll never know it all. I'll never." And of course, you won't. But you know, but it's it. I feel like instead of robbing yourself of and shaming yourself about what you don't know yet and how could you never have figured this out but why are you here and you haven't you know you haven't learned that this is has value for you or i don't know these are just words but i think that that can really help people move towards a path of more compassion and i think plants really are because they are slow you know they and they have a process they have a life cycle uh, unlike art supplies that are not living, I mean, I can use a plant in an art project any day, but I mean, when you start tapping into the use of plants and knowing like, well, I can't harvest you yet because it's not a good time to harvest you. It's the same as me as a person. It's like I have seasons where I can give more than I can in others. And I feel like plants teach, I've learned so much about boundaries and and what is possible and when and that it's okay to to winter or to not give a lot right now that this is not my bountiful season necessarily but maybe this is my time to restore and I feel like I learned that a lot with working with plants and I just really enjoy their rhythm it just I I find that to be uh, invigorating even though they are slow (laughs) I mean, some of them are not. Some of them spread so fast. You you know, you you plant one thing, you can go, well, look at you. You're gigantic. How'd that happen? <laughs> no, it's but, like the whole slow in the minute. And then it's like uh, really fast and <laughs> in a I season, mean, so much happens. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like I was drowning in oregano for a while. I'm going, I have so much. What am I going to do with all this? <laughs> Got used. It was fine. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like that's how it's. I feel like that's how it's kind of partnered with my my herbalism path and journey. Um, and 
and knowing that you'll be there when the time is right. Or, you know, if you're trying to work with different people or you're using, you know, I just, there's this element of having to kind of just let some of it go and be, say, it's, it's going to happen. Eventually you're, you're tending to it. You, you know, you're, you're going through it as, as you can daily or however often. And, and, uh, I, half the half the half of what you have to do in life is just show up. So I feel like that's what herbs do. It's like, well, I'm here. What do you need me to do? And I feel like that that's a very good lesson that I plants constantly teach us. What are some of your favorite ways, or a favorite way, to actually share this herbal process and herbalism in general with other people and with your community at large? I think one of my favorite ways is when uh, I have been asked to create a custom tea for an event, whether I, I did one for an opening of a yoga studio very recently, and it was just so, it was so much fun to listen to the yoga studios, the the owner, what she was wanting her clients to feel when they had this tea at her opening and how how she wanted the experience to be and how the tea was going to be part of this process. And I just, I really enjoy creating these pieces that are very, they're going to be part of that, that memory building. <laughs> um, and that moment of, of, so you can have that sensory experience that helps you just pause and linger with it. So doing that for her was really special, but doing it for others for their weddings or for baby showers, just so that there is this touch of tenderness and care um, has been one, some of my favorite ways to share herbalism. I think people are often surprised also at what you can use uh, for these different things like teas and different or, or like herbal products and uh, you know, I did not know I could use a chrysanthemum. Please don't use, you know, use a medicinal one, but you know, but like, yes, they make beautiful tea and things like that, where it's, it's a surprise or it's like, oh, I didn't know I could use marigolds in that way, calendula in that way. Um, you know, I think that that giving people that little surprise is is really fun and i think that also can spark them to go oh there is a lot more here than just these little packets of herbs i can buy at my grocery store that there's maybe you know here's a little peak hole of like this here's this magical realm over here <laughs> of of herbalism but yeah creating custom teas has been my favorite thing to do oh, i sure. love that idea that's so fun yeah. And definitely is, I mean, tea can be such a meditation unto itself and, and a sensory, like the smell and the taste can bring you right back to a moment. So if it was like a wedding blend and you honor, you know, the couple and the moment and the ceremony, and then if the, and then if it's the gift that they give everyone at the wedding that people can take back and that's, that's really nice. I like that idea. And you also offer some classes on, do you do online and in person or just online? And I do both. I do online and in person. I'm going to be doing a lot of online, I think for the rest of the winter time, uh, just, just so that it's more accessible to, to everyone. I love doing online because I then feel like I get to branch out the audience. I feel like there's a lot of people who are homebound who want to do these different things and, uh, I feel like online also allows a lot of access for people. Um, I think it's 
I, so for me, it's a values base for why I choose to do a lot of online activities um, so that it can be accessible to, to a lot of people. But I do, I have, I have different herbal classes that are going to be coming up. I'm going to be doing a bath soak blend. That one's actually going to be free just to kind of get people in the spirit of, of making homemade gifts for the season that's ahead. And then I'll have several others coming that are actually going to be a little bit more art-based, but they are, I feel like they, they tag into, into herbalism because we will be using different herbs as part of the projects, but we will be making, uh, I have a whole intentions project we'll be working on that will include different blendings of things. And then uh, we're going to be uh, weaving mantra bowls, using different herbs as we weave. And I have a variety of others that are, I'm they're in the works and I need to get them all published, but they'll be out in 2023 is my plan. Wow. That's, that, those sound great. I love combining art and herbs and, you know, fun projects. I, and so I'm definitely going to be keeping my my eyes open for those. Do you, I see you have a section on your website for your classes and workshops. Do you also promote them on Instagram or like how do people find out about them or can they sign up for a newsletter or I do I do promote them on Instagram. I you know, I always say join my newsletter. It is the best way for me to be able to reach you and for you to get to see my stuff and not have Instagram choose what you see. You know, get, you get to have be empowered. <laughs> <laughs> of what you get to view in a lot of ways, but I am on Instagram. I'm at a farm to keep. It's got little periods in there, but I'm sure we will include that maybe in your show notes. But, yeah. uh, but if you look up a farm to keep on Instagram, I am on there and I do share about the workshops and different things that I do uh, on that platform. And that, that's definitely probably my platform of choice, but then also my website, which is a farm to keep.com. And uh, but yeah, my, my newsletter, there's lots of opportunities on there to, to join that. And you also, I noticed on your website that you do a lot of, um, writing of articles, not only for your blog, but for publications. And I know that you have an upcoming article in the upcoming winter addiction uh, edition of the botanical anthology, which is a online publication that's seasonal. Um, would you like to share a bit about your your writing and maybe how you're involved with this specific publication and um yeah what 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 types of things you like to write about and maybe what you will be offering in this edition of the botanical anthology? Absolutely. Yes. I'm I'm very excited. I have two articles coming up in that in this edition uh for winter. Uh, I love to make the I make the uh, music playlists for the season. I love music. I don't know. I've, it helps, especially when you're like everything's like really overwhelming in the space. Putting on something, some music is an instant way to drop into your body and then be able to like, huh, I can now calmly make my tea or whatever I need to do. <laughs> but I love creating seasonal playlists. I feel like they are. Uh, it's like making poetry. So. Uh, I will have one of those in the winter edition. And then I have another article, which is uh, the uh, rhythms and routines for winter. And I talk a lot in there about slowing down for winter and turning to the plants and looking to them as your guides for the season and giving checklists. Well, I guess it's a checklist, but not really a to-do, but more of just ideas of what you can do to nourish your, your body, your home, your garden and uh, different things like that for the season and different ideas of how to really embrace the season and the the rhythm 
of the season. And then there is the third article that I'm hoping will be in there. It's it's exciting. We are we're putting it all together, so we'll see if it gets if it gets gets into this issue or not. But it'll be a very exciting uh, article to include in the botanical anthology moving forward. I hope. But that's all I can say. <laughs> oh, <point>. exciting! <laughs> well, Mister, you're gonna have to like you know yes. have to read it to find out. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Um. And so, have you written for the botanical anthology? in the previous um, publications they have that have, they've had two or three so far, or do you know? I have, yes, I were, I, yes, I contribute to the autumn edition and the summer. Uh, so the, yeah, all of them actually, um, partly because I am part of the plant wonder collective, which the editor of the botanical anthology, she also founded this collective group of, of plant lovers. And they also share uh, monthly bi-monthly actually different, ways to explore and use a very specific plant and that's it's such a great way for anybody who's you know just interested in plants but then it maybe is just curious and not sure where to start uh i feel like the plant wonder collective is a is a lovely place to to go and look and get inspiration and kind of see the variety of of how each plant can be used um but yes i am i have been a a a happy contributor to the botanical anthology from its inaugural edition. So I it's a lot of fun. And the plant wonder collective, that's um, like an Instagram community of people who kind of um, share posts about, you know, it's a different plant every month. Yes, that's right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So for the listeners, if you are interested um, and you're on Instagram, definitely check out uh, Plant Wonder Collective and Botanical Anthology. Does that have its own? It does. The, botan the, the Botanical Anthology has its own handle, and so does the Plant Wonder Collective. But the Botanical Anthology is a publication produced, I think that's correct, by the Plant Wonder Collective. or So uh, we call it PWC. PWC will then... <laughs> They'll share and publish a lot of the the botanical anthologies, uh, you know, content and and that's a great way to keep tabs on the different quarterly magazines that are they put together, cool. digital magazines rather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, well, one question I I think that I'm going to be asking uh, most people that I interview on the pod is um, what is one herbal remedy or even a meal that you like to make or have on hand for the winter months? You know, I was thinking about this and I thought, I hope this is okay to say, but I really, I mean, I, we make, I love to make bone broth from, and I, it's probably very, I don't know if that's very typical, but I put a lot of herbs in that. And it's, it's, one of the best things that I can have on hand the moment anybody in my household comes down with a scratchy throat or anything, it's like, here you go. <laughs> it's been infused with a lot of thyme and oregano and all of these different garlic. It's like just all these different uh, uh, herbs are in here along with uh, all of those other good nutrients. And so I feel like that is something that we have on hand that I I produce a lot of here on our little homestead. So I'm always so happy. I go, oh, yep, this is what we've got. So that's my, that's my go-to for sure. And then next would be tea. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, I love the broth because it's both a food and an herbal remedy, especially if you're loading it. So what herb you said, thyme and oregano, what else do you like to put in it? I, you know, I'll put some rosemary in it for sure. And then um, sometimes, well, let's see, what else have I stuck in there? It's whatever's growing in my garden. <laughs> <laughs> but like last time I, I even put in some calendula and stuff like that. Cause I was like, well, we'll just make those little herb bundles and then put that in there to let mm-hmm. it simmer. Um, and we had foraged some bay leaves a while ago. And uh, that was really fun to actually have stuff in there that was from that. And, um, but I also will put even things like cloves I'll put in there. It's just cause to give it that. And, um, uh, a little bit of nutmeg. That's mm. always my favorite little touch. I feel like that gives it this rounded flavor that otherwise it can be too acidic. But that nutmeg is just this little dash of something. But those are some of my favorite favorite herbs to include in there. Yeah. That's... Plus a lot of garlic. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And, and do you put onions <laughs> in or <laughs> oh yes, onions. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I'm always like, I feel like an onion to me is always like, you're your own thing. I just <laughs> I'm always so grateful for the onion. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of onion. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little lemon peel sometimes just Mm. to give it. Mm -hmm. But it's a little different depending on what's available. Yeah. And then do you freeze it or do you just kind of make it up as needed or? I freeze it. Uh, I use these. This is like my favorite device. I am not sponsored by them at all. And I, but I wish they, I would be, but this, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen these, these soup cuber things, the soup cubes They're yeah. It's like a giant, they have different sizes, but they have a giant one that's for broth. And it's just great that you fill them up and they are just one cup. And so then you can pop them out like an ice cube tray and then store them very easily. And you're not worrying about, you know, putting them into jars or filling bags or something. It's just, they're like big ice cubes and that it's like my favorite way to store that. And it's so if someone is sick or if you're sick, you just go in there and immediately grab a block of it and stick it in a st- on the stove. And then within minutes, you're like, I have hot, fresh broth. And it's, it's really good. Mm, that sounds great. That's a great tip. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, and so the best place to find you is at your website and Instagram, like we said. So I hope that um, this has been an inspiring interview for the listeners and that you're ready to go out there and slow down and connect with the plants on their speed and connect with yourself in so doing. So thank you for all of your inspiration and wisdom. And I'll tell the listeners to look for the botanical anthology winter editions coming out the i think december 5th or that week of december 5th Mm -hmm. and so keep your eyes peeled for that and do you have any final thoughts or any last words for the listening audience before we part ways i would just like to say thank you so much for this opportunity to to share my love of plants and herbalism and I hope everyone will go out there and find a plant to sit with for a while and see what they get from it. You know, go, go find a little sit spot and enjoy, enjoy a plant today. (laughs) I love that. Well, 
Thank you so much for being here, uh, Julia. And thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in and listening. I'm Bridget Doherty, joined by Julia Linstead of A Farm to Keep. Until next week, be well, let intuition guide you, and have fun with herbs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.